Welcome back to the Free Game Producer Podcast. I'm Brian Andre here at the luxurious Bandwidth Studios in the A-Room. Yeah. Across from me, I got the homeboy, the multi-platinum super producer, Will Power. How you doing, sir? What's good? What's good? Yes, sir. Blessed to be here. We got a very, very special guest, somebody I'm very impressed with. Uh, one of the co-founders of Love Renaissance, which is a, a record label and a management company. Yeah. They have artists such as um, Summer Walker, Black, Division, West Side Boogie. We got uh, Justice Baden, a.k.a. Justice Wears Cool Pants in yeah. the building. Yo, 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 <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Yes, I'm good, uh, man. You know, um, I was actually having like a reflection today on like my life and where I'm at. And like I realized that, you know, I'm blessed. Can't complain. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I appreciate these things because, like, just getting getting a chance to talk to people, yeah. like-minded people, you know, just makes me smarter. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm just, like, always in the conquest to just, like, you know, gain as much knowledge as I can. So yeah. things like this I appreciate. Yeah, I, I like to get right into that, man. You know, uh, one of the things that I like about you, man, or that I am impressed with, man, is the fact that, like, you are a, a forward thinker. You know, with some of the strategies that you've implemented, some of the artists that you're signing, some of the different things that you're involved in. It's like uh, you understand what it is to kind of be like a disruptive person, man, and understanding what it means to like, you know, really dig into a situation, man, and be, you know, in front of it. Uh, can you talk about like where your mind is when you're in those situations? Like what are what are you thinking about when you implement these things? Man, it's it's funny because, like, I've, I feel like I'm plagued, right? Because, like, I would love to take the easy route yeah. and do things that seem a lot more predictable or more plug and play. Mm -hmm. But just, like, I feel like I'm just cursed with wanting to do things that inspire me, yeah. right? Because specifically, I'm a fan first, right? Mm. And for me, it's really about staying curious. So the minute where I stop being curious is the minute where I'm not passionate about it. So, um, you know, positioning wise or like the things that we sign or the things that we associate associate ourselves with really comes from a space of curiosity mm. and you know also just like going into music or going into entertainment in general is just like understanding what your what your niche is right and for me understanding what our niche was going to be um kind of having to stay true to that because i feel like you know um let's let's take a brand like supreme right um when you talk to the founders of that brand, the reason why they have such an airtight brand and the reason why it's such a successful cult-like following is because they have these um, three adjectives that, that describe their company. Mm. And it doesn't matter what it is, who it is, or how much money it is. They never make decisions that don't align with at least two of them, right? And, you know, taking that mantra, that mindset into play, it allows you to make decisions to feed your niche mm. and really make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do for how you're supposed to do it because, you know, you can be everything for everybody, but it doesn't make you important, right? I really feel like it's building on what it is that you have and having that overflow into, you know, a bigger situation, really. It's kind of hot. It's crazy. So when you are looking for artists, do you have, like, a checklist of, you know, like, qualities that you're looking for? You know, uh, are you looking for artists that kind of has, like, their narrative or, like, or you know, where they're headed in this thing, like, you know, is there anything specific that you guys are trying to make sure is, you know, specific to your brand and what it is you guys are trying to accomplish? I would love to say yes and really act like I'm, like, as disciplined as I want to be. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's funny because I was, like, I had, like, a premonition, like, a couple of weeks ago. I was just riding in my car, and I was listening to, um, to Drake, and um, he had a line, and... 
I might be misquoting the line, but the line was kind of something like, um, either you have it or you don't. The theory is brilliant, right? And I was like, damn, <laughs> that's great. But, like, it didn't really hit me like it hit me two, a week after, actually, a week after, because then I was riding in my car listening to Lauren Hill. And, you know, she said, she said this line, it could all be so simple. But the more important line in that that stanza was, but you rather make it hard, right? And Come I was on. just like, damn, like, that's really how life is, right? So yeah. to answer your question, you know, about, you know, do I have a checklist? I know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's really, it's really like we were talking about it earlier. It's really a narrative, a story, a reason to exist and yeah. really fill the space. Um, and two is authenticity. And three is obviously talent, right? And talent is obviously based on, you know, who's asking, right? Depending on if you sing a song to somebody and they're not, they're not a trained ear, they might be like, oh, this is great versus yeah. not, right? So um, I always like to go in that, that order yeah. because for me, if you're not talented, if you, have, if you have a crazy story, you can make it work, yeah. right? Um, but to answer your question, like I said, sometimes I make it so complicated. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like this person is so talented right. and it's really going <laughs> to cut through, but... In reality, if you lack the other two things, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah, we might get we might get a little somewhere, but we're not gonna go all the way. Yeah. Um, and it just took me back to that Drake line every single time, and I'm like, it's really simple. The theory is brilliant if you really think about it. That's crazy. Yeah. Super dope. Yeah. Wow. Well, I got so many things I wanna I wanna <laughs> ask, but uh, I wanna get to the origin story, but I, I wanna jump on this whole narrative thing though, because a lot of artists uh, have talent. They wanna they wanna like get in the game, but they haven't even explored the whole narrative question. Yeah. So for a new artist, where do they start in terms of like figuring out, okay, what's their story? What's their narrative? And then they just want to do music. They haven't even thought about that. Where do they start in terms of narrative? Um, well, see, I have a problem with that. Right. So, and, and the problem is like, obviously you, you like to do music or you care to do music, but if you're doing something, you don't know why that's a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. That means you're, you're just, you're aimlessly just occupying space and occupying time. And as people and as people specifically that are selling things like music or clothing or whatever it is that you're selling right in order for you to connect with a fan in a meaningful connection right you have to share some sort of reason to exist right like there's a reason why you know when apple releases their next iphone there's a line around the block as versus the how many amount of samsung phones that drop every other day Mm. right it's because the president, chairman, um, Steve Jobs, when he was building this company, he literally made sure that his fans or people that were consuming his product understood why he existed. So as an artist, I always say, look at yourself as a brand and peel the layers back that way. So if you don't know what it is your narrative is or why you need to exist, stop doing music for a little bit. Go back to your... 12-year-old self. And I always say your 12-year-old self, even your 10-year-old self is super unbiased, right? That's super right. unbiased. So it's not about the money. It's not about a means to exist. It's not about, you know, <clears throat> clout or whatever it is that, that you're in it for. It's really about your love for something and your passion. And those questions will be answered. And remember why, why it is that you want to do the reason, the reason you do what you're trying to do. And find, find out what that is by really just taking time to understand yourself and understand your purpose. 
because other than that, you know, you're just making music, right? Like, you know, we can we can take artists like, you know, a Bob Dylan or artists like a Kanye West or artists like, you know, Drake or, you know, whoever it is. Like when you take, you know, these supernovas, Michael Jackson, Prince, they all have a, a, a clear a through, through line, which is they all had a reason. Yeah. The music was important, but they all had a reason and they knew their brands. So, like, there's there's certain exercises that you can do um, to, like, help help you answer these questions. Because I know what I'm saying kind of could be esoteric. But, like, if you – so maybe go on Google um, as, as a key tip. Go on Google and type in um, the junk test. And it's basically a personality test. It was um, invented by a philosopher um, in the early 1800s or whatever. But when you take this test, um, it allows you and breaks down certain questions that – kind of gets down to the personality or the reasons why you are the way you are right and it allows you to then take that and then um now after you get that answer right go and research the all of the brands that exist in 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 um in major brands right so like there's like for example there's the magic brand there's the love brand um all these different archetypes right um, so you can just t- type it in Google. Like, again, Google's your friend. You know, like, really just type in, name all the brand archetypes, right? And read all those archetypes and decide which archetype you are, hmm. right? Based on the information that you got from the junk test and really understanding yourself. And then once you figure that out, and you know, you know the brand and your archetype, then now you have, you have a narrative and you know that what you're doing marketing-wise, the type of songs you're making are going to align. Right. And then now then you have to dive in deeper and figure out what is your story or your experience in that. And then that's what you start messaging and people kind of fall to that. And yeah, I agree, man. I think a lot of people are, you know, misunderstand the concept of like your narrative and your story not actually being the same thing. Um, You know, I have this conversation constantly with my artists because, you know, we're real big on making sure that we're not formulating a story. And just, you know, making up things to, you know, uh, to make people be interested. You know, we're looking for that authenticity piece that that for for it to be authentic, Uh, you know. So, yeah, because like some people are like creating these stories and, you know, that's not really the coolest way to go about it. But 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 that doesn't last. Right. Because like even like diving into that, like your story and your narrative. Right. So it's like they play into each other, right? So your narrative is basically the overarching um, reason, right? So, like, let's just take an artist like, um, let's just take Kanye West, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the narrative is the college dropout, right? That's just the narrative, right? But when you dive in deeper, his story is saying that, hey, you know, I was this producer and... All I wanted to do was rap, and everybody told me no. Everybody told me no. Everybody told me no. But you can parallel that to the idea of dropping out of college to taste your dreams, yeah. right? So the, the the overarching idea gave him a purpose, but the reason why people believed him is because he told us his story within that. Yeah. So that's just like how you kind of can differentiate the two. Yeah. Really. Yeah. This yeah. is good. I hope y- y'all watching Bruh. this uh, <laughs> get some notes. Now I want to get into you know love renaissance and. 
But I love origin stories because I, I believe the people at home uh, watching and listening can maybe find some nuggets in your story mm-hmm. that they might can identify with that can inspire them. So I want to talk about uh, your, your influences. You grew up, I believe, in Kennesaw, uh, in the Atlanta area. So I had an interesting Ghana, upbringing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, I was born in Atlanta, Grady. Um, you know, when I was born after, like, a year or two, my mom took me to Ghana for, like, from age two to, like, age 12 or 13, one or the other, I can't even remember. But then I was brought back here, and then I went to school in Cobb. Um, yeah. So Wheeler and then Wheeler and then and then um, North Cobb. So I split my high school time in, bet- in between those those two places, and I went to middle school at East Cobb. So um, I've kind of been a melting pot, kind of just moving around, shaking. But, yeah, I mean, my formative years were Atlanta. So what kind of influences did you have, then? like, musically, business-wise? Um. It's funny because, I mean, like, my first influence, for me, all the people that influenced me were all people that were dreamers, right? Like, that's my narrative. When people ask me what's my narrative, it's like, I'm I'm just a dreamer, right? Um, I tend to believe things that aren't possible. So the first person that introduced me to that was Michael Jackson, right? Just like, he was magic, right? Yeah. He was he was everything. He was, he was everything. And then the next person to do that for me was Jordan. Right. And like just being associated with that brand, you know, Nike and like the just do it mentality. For was sure. What's everything for me. And then as like I got more sophisticated and like, you know, understanding what it is was going on, then, you know, um, Puffy was important to me in my life. Yeah. And then um, Russell Simmons and then Dame and then like all these people. But it, it just seemed to always have like a similar, um, even though they have different walks of life, but a similar mentality. Um, and then, you know, Kobe and then it just, you know, just kept kept on waterfalling. But. That for me, it really wasn't music as much as it was people. Okay, like I'm just like into people. Yeah, and their stories. So did you know going into college, just what you wanted to do, as far as uh, starting the company or being involved in, in entertainment? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was graduating high school, um, you know, I had an opportunity to like have a scholarship to go to college, um, but I knew that my time there was limited. Right. It for me it was just like identifying what it is that. Where, what it is that I wanted to do with my time, right? Um, so, you know, when I was a freshman in college, the first thing that I did on, like, my first day on campus, you know, instead of me, like, figuring out, you know, what classes to take, I was just like, okay, cool. Um, wh- let me identify who it is that I was a fan of. And I was a fan of this girl that used to sing in my, in my middle school and high school, and I just reached out to her on Facebook, like, yo, what are you doing? She was just kind of like, you know, I'm working at Arby's or some shit. I'm just like, yo well, let me manage you. She's like, well, what does that mean? I'm just like, I always loved your voice. Like, I just know I can help you. So my, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just know that I wanted to be in music. There was no blueprint. There's never a blueprint for entertainment, um, specifically music, specifically at that time, because the internet was not what it is today. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I was just like, I love Dame. I love Russell. I love Puffy, but I don't know what they do, but I just want to do something like it. Yeah. yeah, so that was just kind of like curiosity again, just being curious. And just, so how did that end up morphing into you uh, and your partners, uh, your co-founders, yeah. uh, starting Love Renaissance? How long did that take from that point to when you started started Love Renaissance? Um, it was kind of like a snowball, right? Okay. So it was just like my freshman year, um, starting to work with this artist. And then, you know, my thing is that you never want to be the smartest person in the room, clearly. But also, you never want to be the person that's not the best at your skill. Right. My skill was people getting people to believe in me and music. Right. So I'm like, all right, cool. I have good taste. Um, let me connect you with 
um, certain producers, and I'm very resourceful. So let me let me let me find certain producers and engineers, and we put together this project and and, and had this narrative and had this idea, and it was perfect. Um, but I'm like, okay, cool. I need artwork. I don't know how to do artwork. Yeah. So who did I know? I just tapped into my you know my um my local network and one of my partners today, Carlin. You know, he did party flyers, right? And you know, just again, just being a people person and not just going to somebody for a service, but trying to understand what their what their story is or what it is that they care about. And, you know, we just started to bond and getting more into depth and like finding out that, oh, he's like actually like an artist. Like he, he has these illustrious paintings in his house that he's drawing, but nobody's seen. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about it because it's not cool to talk about at the time. Um, and then I'm like, oh, cool. Like, yo, like, can you just like run creative? Like you don't like school anyways. You know what I'm saying? Can you just run creative for what I'm doing? And like, that was like the first piece. And the second piece was, you know, um, my buddy that I went to high school with who ended up being my college roommate, he was just like the most responsible person that I knew. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I think I need a publicist. Like, yeah. yo, you want, you want to rock with me? Come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just like, he was like, yeah, I mean, I believe in you and whatever it is that you want to do. He was, you know, and that was that. And then, um, Tunde and Sean, you know, that was like the last piece when, you know, I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how to, um, talk to the industry um, so I need somebody that has one foot in and one foot out. And they were interning at um, DTP at the time. So it was just kind of like just connecting the pieces to make this village to do what it is that I needed to do. Um, so it was just a snowball. It, it wasn't as meticulous as it seems, but in the moment, it, I was just going with my gut, right? So it's just kind of how the formation of, you know, our company be, like came to become. That's crazy. Who was the uh, the first artist? And how did you all, like, fund some of the early uh Label duties like the first flight. artist that we all came together on um, was a, was a kid named Rory, yeah. Um, um, and I found him again. It's, I guess I'm, I'm a people person, right? Like I found him based on the you know the girl that I was telling you about mm-hmm. as like the one that I went to high school with. So we dropped her project, and well, I, I it was just me at the time. So I, no, actually, it was me and Carlin at the time. So I dropped her project, and we had this local buzz again, just like people believing in me. The music was good. Everything was fire. And then over the summer, some girl that was down in Atlanta heard the project um, and they went they went they went to Howard University in D.C. And they reached out saying, yo, um, I love this project. I love her. Um, Can she open up for Trey songs for Howard Homecoming? And I'm like, of course. But my thing is, I never want to put something in front of somebody twice. So I'm like, yo. Let me try to figure out how to give you the best presentation with no money possible. So I'm like, all right. I asked my roommate at the time, and I was just like, yo, I need a band. And he was like, yo, I know these high school, um, high school, this high school band that I know, uh, they'll probably do it for free. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want me to connect you? He connected me, um, and Rory was the guitar player in the band. Wow. Yeah, he was like 15 at the time, right? And then, like, that's just kind of how we connected. And, yeah, it's just, it was just all through people. And for him, it wasn't like, it was like, I was helping him every every single day with the music, trying to find the story, trying to find the narrative. Yeah, and it took about two years. Yeah, you know, like I we didn't ever put any music out. We were just in the studio every day, and like I'm talking about, like the grind was disgusting. Like I mean, I I, I was in school. Um, I was selling women's shoes in Nordstrom. Um, after I was done with school, and then at night, you know, his mom was a nurse, so she had these night shifts. So at night, I'll go pick him up. Um, mind you, like I said, he's 14, 15, 16 at the time, I'll go pick him up and I'll bring him to my house at like 10 p.m. 
and then we'll record all day till about 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah. I'll drop him off before his mom gets back. He'll get maybe like two hours of sleep, um, and then he goes to school, but his mom will never know. We were just grinding every day, every day, just hustling, hustling, hustling. Wow. I mean, like, it was ruthless, right? Like, it was a very long process, but we finally found it, and we found that one song that I that I believed in, and I was like, okay. And he was patient. He was like, yo, like, I want to drop a mixtape. I want to have all these songs. But I'm like, it's just not right. It's just not right. Uh, he was patient. So when we finally found the song, um, I knew what it was, and I you just have that feeling, right? It's just like, oh, no, nah, this is different. Like, all people have to do is just hear it. And from then, from there on, it was just like, all right, cool. Let's look at all our assets. What do we have? All right, I have a car. Carlin, you have a crazy shoe collection. Okay, Sean, you know that um, NFL player? Cool. Let's just, like, scrunch up a bunch of money. And, like, we found, like, $5,000. And well, man, so the shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, it was, but, but we believed in it, right? On, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was just, like, five, it was like five grand that we needed to shoot a video. You know, we spent like maybe like two months looking for the right director. And again, I just wanted to just do something different. So we were looking for people that short, that shot short films and not music videos. Right. Um, so we were just on Vimeo, just just like scouring Vimeo staff picks. And finally found this, um, you know, this one director. And I emailed him and convinced him to meet us at a, a coffee shop. You know, gave him all my passion and told him what we're working on. Let him hear the song. And, you know, he bet on us. And, you know, we gave him the vision. We told him exactly what we wanted to do. And. Um, you know, at, at that that story is crazy. There's more to it, but um, but yeah, and I mean that was the first thing that we did, and like you know, we kind of came into the industry. Where you that patience from though? To just kind of like both on your end and on his end, because that's a lot of patience to kind of like do the same thing, and we're not putting nothing out, you know? Because I understand human nature. It's like, like I said, I don't want to put something in front of somebody twice, and I know here. I'm very particular about when I hit somebody about something. I'm very particular about when I send somebody something. I spend my time building a relationship with somebody, and when I hit you with something, you you actually take a listen to it or you actually care because I'm not just bombarding you with shit. That's right. So me knowing that about myself, I'm just like, if I'm going to go for it, um, we have to make sure that it's right. And just from my experience, again, everything that was happening, just like being a student of everything that was happening, you know, the things that were cracking through or the things that felt like like an event almost, right? You just post like Aesop Rocky Peso and like that video took over the world. And then I was literally watching Trinidad James blow up with all gold everything. That's right. And I was just like, and Tyler with Yonkers. And like, it was so specific. And I'm just like, okay, that seems to be what it's going to take. So let's, let's find our version Hell of that. Hell yeah. And y'all, y'all were doing crazy way. shit with that kid, man. Like I, I can remember like trying to, I can remember like football games or maybe concerts or something, man, where you guys were like hanging out uh, in like a Utah. Y'all, y'all were doing concerts on the back of U-Haul trucks and shit, man, and like just doing whatever it took, man, to get, you know, to get him seen and to like, you know, make people notice him and and things like that man like it's, it's it was really kind of groundbreaking man like what were y'all thinking because like in atlanta that's really tough to do man so many people are going that shit and trying shit and yeah in atlanta it's like that's really tough to do man but like what was really dope is like people really like uh you know recognized it and gave props to it man and really started following it yeah nah for sure it was you know and we can talk about it later but like Atlanta has like has a scene, right? Like, well, Atlanta had a scene specifically at that time. 
And what what I was noticing was every artist with a buzz or every artist that like had something going will just do the same thing where they'll like they'll get a song or a couple songs and like they'll go to like the department store or what whatever you know um, yeah. venues were around and just play for the same ten people. Yeah, and they'd be like, okay, cool, I have a show. Same ten. I'm like, all right, this is not gonna move the needle, nor is it gonna make this thing feel special. Um, so for us, it was just about being disruptive, right? Our story is disruptive. Um, so our approach needs to be disruptive. And for Rory specifically, it was just like, all right, cool. Your music doesn't fit in any category. It's not like it's like traditional rap. It's not like it's traditional R&B. You know, you're fitting in a weird alternative space, and it's not even fully alternative, right? Like, it just we just didn't know where to put it. But again, we just knew to f- go find like-minded kids. But more importantly for us was to make this thing feel like a myth, right? So it was just like, all right, cool. Well, what can we do? Um, so we said we're just going to pull up to um, the concert let outs because that's where it'd be all these kids after the concert let out. Like it's like 3,000 kids just standing not wanting to go home. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it was like, all right, cool. So the first concert let out we did was a Tyler Creator concert. And we created our own flyer. And, you know, we rented this U-Haul and we just like spray painted it. You know, and um, when the, when it let out, you know, we had to band in the U-Haul. When it let out, you know, we just were in the middle of the street and just, like, full on. And he got on top of the road. And, again, it's, he got on top of the truck and, like, he's performing. And, you know, now you have a, you have a parking lot full of kids that are jumping and just, like, confused of what's going on. <laughs> and it looks like pandemonium. But Disruptive. That, yeah, but it doesn't matter because you take that you take that footage and you put it on YouTube. It and, and people are just like, what is going on, right? So it's just like... Then it becomes a myth, and it was just like then. Then you hear people saying, "Yo, I saw Rory performing on a U-Haul truck going down the highway." None of that happened, <laughs> but it's like, but it becomes, but it becomes, it becomes telephone, right? Because right. it's like people just trying to tell the story. So we found that to um, to make sense, just being disruptive. Yeah. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. That's fire. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Another, fun times, man. Fun times. That shit was crazy. I yeah. remember it. <laughs> it says something about you, though, and, and the artist you believe in. Because I think I, I read somewhere about Black. You you met him and had him just stay in your house for like a year. Yeah. Bef- before y'all even did anything in terms of putting anything out or trying to put anything out, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Again, people. Um, I, uh, We met Black Um, as we have the Rory thing moving and drums moving, um, and um, a, par- a party promoter friend of friend of ours, Trizzy, um, he was like, "Yo, my best friend, um, his name is Black. I want you, I want you, I want you to check out the music. Da da da. I checked it out. Only one, only one issue. Music was fire. Voice was fire. Only one issue is that he was signed to Flowrider, and um, he was like, basically, was left for dead. Right." Um, he'd been in this deal. It was a bad deal for a while. So we went in as management and, you know, we got together and we met, I can't remember what restaurant it was at. 
and you know he was just telling us what he wanted to do and how he saw the vision and you know we believed in it and I extended my home because again I had a studio in my house for me it's again just being resourceful I extended my home I was like yo come over the weekend let's like let's just hang um you know record whatever it is that you want to do you know what I'm saying and you know go back to yours after after the weekend so he came with a book bag um for the weekend he never left for like a year <laughs> <laughs> he just crashed on the couch and That's I'm like crazy. I appreciate it but every day he woke up and he recorded every day woke up and recorded for a year this is my mind you this is in and out so mind you this is as we're doing the Rory thing and we're like going from city to city, state to state, like leaving the country, coming back. And he was just being disciplined every day recording. And the story about him, what's, and that's what I say, is just like consistency. And like, he was just such a student. Like he was just watching everything on the internet. Like just like seeing where this person fucked up, where that person messed up at. And like, it was just, it was so interesting to watch how smart of an artist he was. And it wasn't so much about, you know, how talented he was, and more so about how smart he was and yeah. how meticulous he was towards that. And a year goes by, and, you know, we were finally, were finally able to get him out that deal with Flowrider. It took a while because, you know what I'm saying, like it takes money to get somebody out of the deal. Um, and when we got him out the deal, a week later, he records a song, and we're about, we're about to go to the club. We're like, yo, you want to come to the club? He's like, no, I got something I want to say on this record. So he records it, and he sends it to us while we're in the club, whatever, something like that. And listen to it on the way home or the next morning, and it was a song called Problems. Hmm. And I was just like, wow, you've been recording all this music, but a week after you get out the deal, you record this song. And we put it out maybe a month later, and that was it. Go. Yeah. It was just <laughs> one of those situations. You couldn't Damn. make it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit is incredible, man. Yeah, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the, that's the part of this that's like really missing, man. And that's the. The development piece, man. And I'm not talking about like the corny artist development part of it or development part. I'm talking about the part of like really learning your craft as a as an artist and as a songwriter and 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 studying the craft and and learning what it is that you that's going to separate you from everybody else and really working to be like a one of one. You know what I'm saying? Instead of trying to be like this trendy uh trendy type of situation where everybody's doing what everybody else is doing you know i think that part right there is really missing yeah i think it's i think it's really crazy that you guys are like into like nurturing an artist for a year and making a person really work on it and before they present themselves like it's like you're you're extremely sure about what it is you're trying to accomplish because of the time that you put into you know preparing for it and so i see now why you know, I see why you guys are having so much success because these are the types of things that you guys are investing in. And, you know, um, I just think that incubator system is a real special, you know, piece. It seems to be like a pretty special component to what you guys are doing. Yeah, I, I want to get into this the the dope shit that I've been seeing this uh -huh. past year, man, and that is like the mm -hmm. development of the division project and what you guys were doing, you know, mm -hmm. in studio mm -hmm. while making that project, man. And it was just pretty brilliant, man, the way you guys kind of showed y'all's dynamic. You know, y'all showed the mm -hmm. you know the laughter, y'all showed the bickering, y'all showed the creation process of it. You also showed the uh, presentation part of it where you were mm -hmm. like showing people what was going on it was really dope mm -hmm. man to see um 
you and um, Jermaine Dupree come together, man, to like let people in on what they were doing. You know, Jermaine Dupree doesn't really let people inside those sessions like that. I mean, you get some some small sneaks, you know, from his IG and stuff, mm-hmm. but to see them in that environment and like really mashing it out uh, was pretty dope. Uh, what was what was the thoughts behind that process? It was just one of those things, right? It's just like, you know, when 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 we started working with Division. Um, specifically, you know, we identified what our goals were, right? You know, yeah. we said, you know, you guys have a very strong core fan base and people know you for, for a certain thing, but, you know, it's super niche, right? How can we cast a net a little bit wider, right? And how can we recreate, you know, a sense of excitement? And just going through it, my first idea was energy, right? Energy, again, energy is spawned in a number, group of people a certain idea so i was just like okay leave toronto for a year come down to atlanta um so they came down to atlanta um got them with jermaine and just day by day we were making these records you know just like sometimes we didn't make records just argue and just like but like watching everything happen was just like oh this is like special because we've never seen you in this space before it's new to you and it's it's exciting to Jermaine because Jermaine he's excited because people tell he likes to, he likes to do what people can't tell him that people tell him that he can't can't do, do right yeah. right so That's I was so. just like okay cool like so as we're making making these records and they're they're getting into it um, there's a lot of arguments and there's a lot of interesting conversations that happen on a day to day and it was just like okay cool let's just let's just document this right let's make people feel like they were part of they were part of this album. Um, so we have all this footage, right? And like you know, there's some that came out, but like there's so much more that hasn't come out. But like, right. it's just this now again because we were forecasting to a year later. So this now was a forecast if you were paying attention for you to see how and why the music sounds the way it does. Exactly right because if you're making a change or you're growing and people can't see that you're growing, yeah, it's like what the fuck you guys are, got going on, yeah. right? So this is kind of just like a way to just like like drop the breadcrumbs so people can just follow yeah. along. As things yeah, we, we yeah. bought into it, man. We bought into it. I think it was really yeah. dope, man, to be excited about what was about to happen. You know, um, the way you guys rolled it out, man, it kind of kept us all, you know, fiending to see what was next, to find out what this record is going to be like. And then when it came out, it was like, oh, shit, this shit is like a part of a thing that we watched them build. And I think the other part that was really unique about it was that you went to some of the most authentic, you know, OG producers in the game, man, to, to like help you mold this and bring it together. You know, um, not a lot of people, man, still go to, you know, to the greats or, you know, in, in today's terms, man, the OGs, you know, to get the sound that they're looking for, man. But like you really worked on making sure that you kept this authentic and, you know, and you brought in one of the greatest, you know, uh, record producers in the game, especially in R&B, to, like, help you mold this. Like, what what, what a way, what a way, you know, to make some shit like this happen, man. Yeah, that was, um, that was also by design because, like, for me, just being an R&B fanatic, right? Like, R&B was, like, c- coming into a space to where, you know, the songwriting was missing. Right. Mm-hmm. The actual, you know, climaxes of the records and and all these things that I loved about the genre were missing. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, here's the issue. The issue comes on both sides, right? The issue is a lot of the OGs aren't open to new ideas. Mm. And a lot of the the younger guys um aren't open to be to being talked at. Right? Because if I got my wave going, like I don't care how many number ones you got, like you're not gonna talk to me crazy. Right, right. Right. So <laughs> so so for me, I just saw myself as like a conduit to like to like bridge the bridge gap. Bridge the gap. That's it. I'm just yeah. like I am super respectful of Jermaine. Like again, these are people that I looked up to. That's right. Right. And I'm from the city. So I'm just like, yo, if I can be that person that helps bridge that gap, that's just what I'm gonna do. So like me leaving my ego at the door and also division leaving their ego at the door and Jermaine leaving their ego at the door at the expense of doing it on the behalf of me, right? Allows it to, to you know to to work and yeah. and and Jermaine and B Cox, you know, like specifically, you know, like we've really grown tight over the last couple of years, but like um I know they've learned so much in this process. Yeah. And the amount of shit that I've learned has been yeah. ridiculous and yeah. i'm like oh like i understand why you guys were repeat offenders of like hits yeah like it makes so much sense right, right. the only thing that only thing that you know they learned from us is again just like you know how to attack certain records differently yeah. or just like or you know even marketing a record right because it's different than how it was you know yeah from time ago so it's just like all these things i feel like just make this gumbo or this pot because it plays into nostalgia which people love to buy into yeah but also um cutting edge which you know kids love so yeah um yeah it's just one of those things that i'm I'm glad to be a part of and like yeah. really witness go down yeah yeah can't all right so can i ask about summer walker man like i'm a i'm a huge fan and you know, um, what's really interesting about her was like how I discovered her and like uh, maybe how other people discovered her. You know, she kind of came across sort of like maybe maybe an Instagram artist where like, you know, there were times where she would be online, you know, singing and writing songs and playing the guitar and things like that, man. And then, you know, you guys uh, as as the development of her story started to kind of come out and the story started to play out, it was really dope to watch because it all sort of unfolded right in front of everybody. And this was all, you know, before she blew. But, like, we also watched her blow, like, and, you know, it, online. Like, we saw the whole process. Man, um, Summer is an interesting one because Summer is so funny because – She's probably taught me the most yeah. out of any artist that I've worked with. Mm, nice. Um and not not her knowingly knowing that she's taught me things, but she's taught me a lot because I've never dealt with an artist like her. Because artists like Summer, I had to realize that it's just like get out the way and let God just do what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Right? Like when I when I first signed her. I know one thing that I loved about her is her tone. I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Right. Um, now, did I know how layered she was? I'd be lying if I said I did. Right. Right. Um, and her specifically, what she taught us to do, which is pay attention to me and highlight what I what it is that I am. That's it. That's all we did with Summer. Which like, is fire. You can't pay for what she is right like is all organic <laughs> yeah that's og label work man it's like back in the day man when when you really had to like learn your artists and learn to work your artists and work with the way that that person you know 
was expressing themselves, you had to, you know, really put in work into like designing a program for that artist. You know, it's not not like today where all you got to have is some data or, or whatever, man. I just really appreciate the fact that you guys are like really taking the time to like develop relationships with your artists to kind of know what it is you guys are wanting to achieve from an artist standpoint and label standpoint because it's like both of them are needed. Bro, I'm telling you, literally, um, on the first project we were working on, and actually ironic that it's like the fourth year of that coming out, last day of summer, today. Um, but so this is like four years ago, maybe like a couple weeks before today. Yeah. Um, we were getting ready to put out this project, and I'm like, yo, Summer, like, this album cover, your face is not on it. Yeah. Like, we have to, like, reshoot this album cover. She said, no. Yeah. I'm like, you're not telling me no. I signed you. Like, what are we talking about? You know what I'm saying? But no. Like, they fought me. Like, her and her manager at the time. Like, they fought me. Like, they're like, yeah. no. This is, this is what it is that we want to do. This is our vision. Respectfully, I'm like, you got this one. Next one is mine. Yeah. Go ahead and get this one out the way. Right. And it was just one of those things. Again, it just it just allowed me to understand the type of draw or the type of allure that she wanted people to come into. Yeah. To her. Right. For her, it was like, I wanted Mysterious. to be about my music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't want any, I don't want anything else. Right. Like, yeah. but she found a way to make it about other things, not in a traditional format. Right. Not in a one on one interview. Right? right. Like, no, I might just do some dumb shit tomorrow and. Y'all don't know how to react to it, but cool, it's fine. It'll right. be there. That's right. right. And that's just what it is. And it was just like, but that's what an artist is. Like I always say, imagine if imagine if Whitney Houston had a Twitter. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> life will be crazy. Right. Right? But that's what it is, right? And like I feel like I feel like we want our we want our artists to be we want our artists to be perfect, manicured, and you know, more so in, in in a pop perspective, but in black culture, urban culture, that's just not how we are. Like mm. we we like we like you know sauce. We like niggas fucking shit up. Like right. we like things being dysfunctional. Yeah. That's just our thing, and that's why our artists have always been. If you look at the transcending artists, right? Look at James Brown again, yeah. Michael Jackson, Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown. Yeah, you know Whitney, like. Like, these people have transcended music specifically because they never played by the rules. Damn. But they knew what they were doing. They didn't just go around aimlessly. Like, they knew exactly what they're doing. They knew the story they're building for herself. And, yeah, Summer is one of those things. Like, it's just get out the way. Only thing I help her with is just, like, make these albums as perfect as possible. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, the first album we were working on, I remember she turned. And this, this is when I was like, no. She turned in that first album over it. She turned it into me. I want to say it was, like, March... 2018, um, she turned it into me, and I'm like, no, yeah, it's not good. We have to redo it. Oh, man, that was hell on earth. She was like, no, nah, like, well, what's wrong with it? I'm like, no, I'm not accepting it. I'm going to help you make it better. So I took all the pieces of it, and um, I was like, all right, cool. Now we have to, like, construct these as songs. So they were like, one minute, two minutes, just yeah. like they were just ideas, right, right? Right. So like, all right, cool. Like we gonna, all right, this is strong enough. This will stay. Like really helping her construct it and 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 help really put it together. And then um, I pulled in London, um, and you know when I pulled him in, I was just like, okay, cool. Um, you have a great idea in terms of understanding what 
the current sound is in R&B. And um, specifically, this is when I knew that London was um, was going to be an impact on that album because, because like, we had to rework the whole album. And, like, that, again, that was hell on earth. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, no, actually, no. What I did was I ended up breaking into her hard drive because what Summer does is, like, when she goes through, like, emotional shit, she'll just record yeah. and leave it on her hard drive and, like, nobody would ever hear. Right. But she's not thinking about it. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, that's just how I felt at the moment. So I got broken to her hard drive. And um, um, without her knowing, by the way, and I found this this um, this um voice memo. um, It was um playing games record. And I'm like, it was, it was like, it was just like a, it's like guitar. Crazy. And she was just singing acapella, like, like well, acoustic to it. And I was like, oh, this is fire. So I played to London. I'm like, yo, what do you think about this? He was like, you know, he was like so into like, I just want to make new shit with her. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll make new shit. But like, like I really want you like to pay attention here. Yeah. And that was like a fight. But like he finally like, you know, took it in and like, you know, and then we like, we sat in the studio and, you know, we worked on it. And we made it. He made that beat. Maybe I want to say in like an hour. And I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, no, nah, this is going to go. Yeah. This is immediate. Yeah. And the next day he's like, yo, you were right. It's rocking. I'm like, yeah. And then that was just like the snowball for like the whole album. And That's then like fire. we made the album like two weeks because yeah. like we had that type of energy. Yeah. And the summer was bought into it and it was crazy. Yeah. 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 How do you like do that? How do you like go through these battles? You know, like is, is it just like, the end, is, it the end, is it the end result you're chasing? Is it like the, the, the finish line you're looking at? Is it the cause? Like a, a lot of times, you know, in these battles, what makes you just not say, you know what? Screw it. You know what I'm saying? But what makes you like push forward to fight? Hey, hey, London, you got to do this. Or no, you got to do this album over. Like what gives you the, the unction to like go through the hell on earth as you, as you put it? Bro, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I'm passionate about it. Right. Like my name is on it. Right. And like, that's, if anything that, if anything I put my name on, I never wanted to be whack. Yeah. And for me, if it's whack, I'm going to look around and I'm going to get mad at everybody around me for not telling me that it's yeah, whack. Hey, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so yeah. it's just like, I feel the same so way. it's just like, for me, it's just like, I know how much I believed in her and her vocal ability and her, her talent as a songwriter. And I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to let you underserve yourself, even, even if you don't see it. No way I'm going to let you underserve yourself. So for me, it was just like, picking my battles is important, but I when I stand on it, People know that, like, all right, he's passionate about it, and I'm gonna see it all the way through. Yeah. And I'm not gonna give up on you in the process, right? Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna be in it with you to help you figure it out. Um, I think that it's kind of productive when you just like, you know, give an opinion and you just walk out the room and don't help somebody see it all the way through. But for me, I just, you know, stay through and with with them. So I don't know if that answers your question, but bro, it's just my job. It's stressful. Super dope. Yeah. It's stressful, man. So what's next, man? What's going on with LBRN and you? Um, like I was saying, um, I think that where we are right now as a culture, as a people, um, as an idea, we're in the middle of a reset and whoever figures it out in these next four years is going to dictate the next decade. Um, because I know everybody's looking for the next Drake, um, everybody's looking for the next Bad Bunny or whatever it is. Right. And those artists will come. But what first needs to change is the idea, the idea of what music is supposed to be, the idea of what culture is. And, you know, right now, I think we've reached a threshold. Um, we realize that we can't keep up with computers. Like, 
because if a computer's hard drive is full, all you have to do is just add in more RAM and more memory. And like, but as humans, we can't do that, right? Yeah. Like, ah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? We can only listen to yep. one song at a time, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm reading all these articles, and people are saying like, "Well, why is catalog like so important? And why is catalog out streaming new music?" Well, when you're tired, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go to what you know. That's right, bro. I'm just go to what I know. That's right, man. So all that's cool. I'm going to go to what I know. And I feel like what we're here to do and what I'm here to do specifically, I think that the work starts now, which is now we're finally in a position of power and a position to be able to make decisions because this is the first time where I'm young enough, I'm in touch enough, but I have enough access and resource and power to be able to dictate things how I want to dictate them, right? So I'm excited for our future because it gets back to the ideals of um, artist development. It gets back to the ideals of actually making something matter to people, right? And going core, not mainstream, right? Like mainstream will come to you, right? right. Like the idea of what a pop star is has changed. You know, nobody was going to tell me that Doja Cat was going to be the biggest artist in the world four years ago. Right. Right. Like that. Nobody could see that pop music has changed. Right. Um, my issue with hip hop and R and B specifically is that I've been kind of screaming about this for the last four years. I'm like, we're going to drop the ball. We're going to drop the ball. We have no quality control. We -hmm. are going to lose the tide. Because I know we're number one right now and people is loving our culture, but you gotta understand if you study history, this is how we always lose the ball. Because we don't take care and take pride in what it is that we create. Come on. So hip hop and R and B is just like, yo, y'all niggas are just putting shit out. Where's the feeling? Where's the meaning? Where's the real artist? As versus when I go to these pop camps and these pop these pop writers and how they're really constructing these songs and making sure that this lead melody line in there and it, it repeats and like all these things and like actually they go to the fundamentals of music. I'm like, damn, we're not doing that in our music. So that's, we're going to lose the consumer because the consumer has bought into our culture. But now that our culture has now transcended just hip hop and now a pop artist like Billie Eilish said, yo, what y'all like? Gucci? I bet I got that. But I'm making real songs and I'm giving you a feeling. So what you got? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, we can't we can't sustain enough of the love or the infatuation of our culture. The product has to be there. The work got, the work got to be there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like any drug dealer, right? Like, or any person that's on the corner selling work. Like, you know, you are you always have to make sure that you got it. You got the best work because the next nigga is right across the line. Yeah, working it right, ready yeah. to ready to serve <laughs> the best work. Come on. So what man. you got? So like. We're in trouble as a culture, and I'm watching it happen, and I'm watching us, I'm watching literally us lose the ball. So, like, right now, when you're looking at urban music, you know, Afrobeats is taking over, right? Be- let me tell you why. Because there's a feeling that is emoting, right? And that's the feeling that's left our music. You know, like, it's all the same BPM, our music. Same thing. Right. Same message. Nothing is being distinct why should I care about any of these niggas? One person becomes the next nigga. Every pioneer that has existed in the last 10 years are the ones that are still standing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we we argued about the SoundCloud era. Oh, it's never going anywhere. No, there's only two people that exist that are still standing: is Cardi and Uzi. Everybody, I mean, Cardi, Cardi and Uzi. Everybody else, majority of the time, kind of fell to the wayside. Where's Little Pump? Where's uh yeah, right. all these guys? Right, like mm-hmm. gone, right? But that's just how the cycle of music goes. It's super trendy, so you have to make sure that the, the product is good the work is good and that's just kind of what i'm doing I'm like all right cool like let's 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 get it now let's see who makes the best music yeah because it's just a crap shoot yeah tiktok let's hope that it sticks wow okay cool let's just make the best product and like you know and grind it out yeah. old-fashioned marketing make let's make sure yeah, yeah let's make sure that we're actually touching people hand-to-hand combat you know what i'm saying like there's a difference in going to a show there's a difference in hearing a song on on spotify that's a completely different um, amount of um, uh, connection that you're going to build with somebody. So, like, how can you make sure that every marketing effort, um, every song you drop feels personalized to the consumer? And that's how you're going to beat out everything else because, man, the Internet is great, but use your advantage and not let, don't let it use you. That's just how I'm looking at, at everything right now. Conversations like this I love because 10 years, 15 years from now, I would want to look back on conversations like these and see what stuck, mm-hmm. you know, see what stuck, you know, like what's, what's catalog 10 years from now that mm-hmm. came out this year. It's, it's part of a catalog. Right. Cause like you, I listen to most of the stuff from like the nineties, two thousands, maybe 10 years ago. I love new stuff now, but how much of that do I go back to, you, you know, don't. when it, when it comes out, yeah, you don't, it's, it's very few, very few things that I go back to. And when I realize the ones that I go back to, like maybe like Kendrick catalog really rings well for me. You know, yeah, you know, so does, like, you know, and we, when we talk about hip-hop, so does Drake's catalog, you know, um, you know, biasly speaking, um, I love Summer's catalog. Um, but again, like, these things that, like, stick yeah. and is a Frank Ocean, like, The Weeknd, like, these things that stuck that, like, are part of your upbringing and it's kind of like a memory in your bank that is like, yo, when you're like, how am I feeling today? Oh, shit, like, I want to feel... I don't know. I want to feel creative. Okay, cool. What am I going to put on? You know what I'm saying? Like, and you go back to those, those albums that you remember, but. Or, or, so, or some stuff you forgot it came out. Oh, you know what? I forgot this album even existed. It came out three years ago. This was pretty nice. And you listen to it. Maybe it hit the same. Maybe it don't hit the same, but it's a curious. I'm curious to see what sticks 10 years from now, 15 wow. years from now when I'm, same. you know, 50, 60, 70 years old, what, what do I go back to? But it's, to me, it's, it's fun times. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing, right? Like when we were kids, you know, and we I don't know how old you are, but like specifically me, like you know, when everybody's revolting against, you know, um the YouTube era for me, right? Like as much as I love, you know, the Y2K era when I was in it, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm never listening to that music in the catalog. Like yeah. I'm never listening to Crank That Soldier Boy. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? But I loved it when it, when it existed, yeah. right? But I tell you what I went back to. I went back to the Black Album. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I went back to, you know, um, what else existed. I went back to some of, like, um, um, DMX's older albums, like Kanye's albums. Like, they really stuck yep. to me. You know Lauren what I'm saying? Hill. Like, Lauren yep. Hill. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm just like, okay, you know you know what's going to stick based on the quality of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say, because I don't talk bad about people, but there's a certain... Album I just used to love back in 2006, 2007. Thought it was the greatest. I listened to it recently. It's like, it's okay, but it, 
Yeah. It don't quite. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. It don't quite hit the same. So. Yeah. I get it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Music. Music. Aging of music is is interesting because certain artists just know how to make things feel timeless, and certain artists don't. But it's also a lot of it has to do with production. I realize production really is the key yeah. to like that timeless feel versus not. Yeah. Yeah. I I could go on for days about production and like the value of you know uh you know really being able to produce an, a, a project with live instrumentation and just like people who know what they're doing you know programming has kind of you know it ruined it for people man you know what i mean and it's like we we're losing you know that feeling uh, you know that comes with making records and having something special I mean, you know, programming is, you know, essential because it's a part of technology and the way we all produce these days. But at the end of the day, you know, like you can really tell when someone doesn't have any feel in their records and they're just like, you know, using loops and doing things like that. Like, you know, which is nothing wrong with any of that, but like it, it still needs to be some type of like, you know, human element in it, some type of like real feel in it. And I, you know, I think that part of this is what's missing. And, you know, we, you know, like I, mentioned Malay once before man like you know it's always dope to work with people like him because he's such a genius and the reason it is what it is is because he still you know incorporates a real feel in the in the stuff that he's doing to me and I, I might get I don't care um but like the producer to me is more important than the artist yeah yeah everything comes from the producer yeah personally um I think the artist is a conduit to what the music bed is but like Man, yeah. like the producer, number one has the sound, right? Helps you produce out the song, but more importantly, gives you a direction to yeah. go, mm -hmm. right? Now, a beat maker, no, I don't believe that that's they're more important than artists at all. But yeah. like, if you're in it with a producer, because I've been blessed to watch, like, I mean, two maybe a month ago, two months ago, um, I was in a session with um, Dr. Dre and Puffy, yeah, and. It was insane. I was just like, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I was just like, okay, there's different levels. Like, yeah. there's levels to this shit. Yeah. And then I have to leave that session. Then I go to another session. I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I, I can't. You guys don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't even know what mic the artist is using. That's right. That's, that's a problem. Right. You don't know what sound you're trying to get out of the artist. That's right. So it's, it's, it's tough. Well, I mean, I definitely think you're beyond your years, man. Like, I could definitely tell that you're, like, a student of the music. You're a student of the business. Like, you know what's going on, man. And I think it's evident in the success that you're having, man. And we just hope that this continues for you. And I'm I'm excited to see, the you know, see this play out. You know what I mean? Thank you. Um, this is my first time meeting you in person, man. But, like, your name has been in rooms. You, you ain't in. In Damn, good I, ways, I, too. I, I, that's you know great. I, mean? I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, as a producer, I'm always looking, you know, to try to create relationships mm -hmm. and build good situations, and too many times I've heard your name. And so I just think that um, you're on your way, man. Thank I mean, you. It is what it is. Thank you. But thank you for coming to the show today, man. This I was really dope. I appreciate you for having me. This was yeah. incredible, man. Yeah.